Follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I am Shad, here with Brad. Brad, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Glad to hear it. Matt will be back soon. Um, he's doing well. We've talked to him a bunch. He's doing all right. Not a thing to be worried about, just some stuff to take care of. So that means we'll take care of our shout-outs right here at the beginning. The first one's going to go to Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand, collarandelbowbrand.com. Use the promo code Four Corners Podcast. That's the number four, capital C in Corners, capital P in Podcast, to save 10% off your order. Our other shout-out, um, it's been a year, and folks in East Kentucky are still trying to piece their living situation back together. If you'd like to help some folks that could use the help, and frankly are getting ignored by the people that should be helping them. I'm going to recommend that you go through the Apple shop, A-P-P-A-L-S-H-O-P dot O-R-G. They'll make sure any help you send gets to the people it needs to get to. Our other shout out goes, Brad's got that. Uh, that would go to Orlando clone. I, I have to tell myself not to say Epico, um, <laughs> AKA the big red cheese as he's known in certain areas of the world. Oh, Brad, that sounds like a segue. Yes, so this week we're doing, um, I don't know if I'd call this obscure, I think this is a fairly obscure one from um, the comics landscape. It's not super well known. Yeah, it's kind of a hidden gem if you ask me. Oh yeah, I agree with you, but then again, whenever you hear what it is, me agreeing with Brad is not going to be a surprise yeah, for anybody. so we're doing Shazam and the Monster Society of Evil by Jeff Smith. Now, yes. you might not know who Jeff Smith is if you're a big two uh, devotee, but he is the creator of Bone. And this is like a rare time that he's working with the big two. Yes. And um, and Jeff Smith is a local uh, Columbus, Ohio resident. <clears throat> so the thing about this book is that it it mixes comic book you know traditional comic book styling with kind of that bone styling as well you the the art is kind of both i didn't think is jeff smith wasn't both what writer and artist was he i think he was both was he both okay. it has a lot of have you read much of bone uh i read the first mm, three four issues of it okay I it think. has a lot of it has a lot of that tone to it okay not just the art, because because I'll say going off the bat here, um, I've read some of the Fawcett Captain Marvel stuff, mm -hmm. probably 10 ish issues of it. I want to read it all at some point, but I will say of all the Shazam stuff I've read from DC, this is the truest, I think, to those Fawcett comics I've ever read. Yeah, I actually have two trades of early Shazam comics sitting on my shelf. Big shocker, I know, <clears throat> but. There's a foreword, at least in my copy of the trade, there is a foreword by Alex Ross. And the point that it makes is one that um, – I read the foreword, and what he said really stuck with me. He said the thing that this story conveys, the, the biggest thing that you get overall through the entire story, front to back, the characters, everything, is charm. And he said that it's something that feels like it's missing from a lot of comic writers and stories is they don't have the charm of what a comic book would feel like. And so this book, just as kind of a brief overview, or this story or whatever we want to call it, has it, – it, it finds a way to mix both 
kind of um, golden or silver age, golly gee willikers uh, responses to things with also some like deeper, heavier themes that kind of roll through it. And it weaves it all together very well. Yeah. Now, have you have you read his like the original Captain Marvel origin story? Oh, uh, yeah, because I, I didn't realize I think I read it a couple years ago. Like I read in a recreation of the ash can, I think, that doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. And so if you haven't read that, because I think it's kind of been lost to time. But if you read the original one, like when the wizard gives him his powers, the wizard straight up just gets crushed to death by a rock afterwards. Yes, there is. Um, and it's something that is not only carried over in this one, but. If you go, I know it used to be on Netflix anyway. There were a series of DC animated, I guess shorts is the right term, but it's also not the right term, called um, Shazam Black Adam First Thunder. And so it was the origin story for Shazam, the return of Black Adam. It mixed Superman in all together. And then it also had some other shorter vignettes tied in with it, with like Spectre and stuff like that. Um. One of the things that did not carry over – well, okay, so Billy Batson is an orphan who's living alone. You're like, how does that work? Well, both of his parents went on an archaeological dig, got crossed by Theo Adam, who was working for them, that basically got them killed. And, and this, is, this so, is the 30s where being a street urchin was a lot easier than it is today. Yeah, and so – I shouldn't say easier in the sense of being one as being there not being a system to know that you're homeless. Yeah, you you slip through the cracks pretty easily. Yeah. Um, One thing, and, and as the story goes, and this was also in the movie, getting on the getting on the subway, getting on the train car, whichever term you want to use. What happens is that. Um, in the original, Billy saw someone that looked like his dad, so he went chasing after him and got on the train car, and that took him to the wizard. In this one, he's running from somebody, but you get to the same place. And the other thing that this book has that is different than most other Shazam properties is Captain Marvel and Billy are treated as partners but separate entities. They kind of got that right in JSA. Mm. The way that I looked at it in JSA was that you had, <clears throat> as as the good captain, Billy was wiser and more capable, and and that sort of stuff. Well, and he was, and the cap, the good captain was a massive cock blocker. In JSA no, too. no, he got blocked. That was Jay Garrick. Well, no, but it was Captain Marvel that decided it, though. It, it was the wisdom of Solomon pushed him to yeah, because Billy and Courtney um, Stargirl had this. It was actually a really nice relationship. And Jay Garrick and uh, they were having a conversation at the JSA Brownstone. And obviously Billy is as the captain but the problem is like nobody knows nobody at the time knew billy batson captain marvel same thing except for courtney and so everybody else is like staring at captain marvel is like "Mm, creeper and and so they didn't actually know and the problem was that they pushed that and the wisdom of Solomon agreed with them because of the atmosphere it was creating. Um, it's it, it, you know it was it was rough because Courtney actually had a relationship with someone her age as opposed to standing after Adam Smasher. Uh, yeah, and Jay, Jay and all of them were wrong, and Solomon was wrong. He should have just set well, everything straight. Yeah, he didn't tell everybody. Because he thought he needed to protect that. Never mind the fact that Jay Garrick and Alan 
uh, Alan Scott, just, they just go by their real names all the time anyway. I know. It's like you could tell, you know, they, they'd keep it under wraps for you, bro, but what was What was Alan's stupid name at the time? Was he Sentinel at the time? Sentinel, yeah. yeah. Ugh, I hated that name. Well, I mean, they were trying – the name Sentinel, I think, came out of whenever they were trying to launch the Guardians of Magic title. Yeah, and so he's they, not, he wasn't. He's not a real Green Lantern. He's magic based, not, not um. His his ring is magic, not like a true power. It's ring. not an it's not an Owen super science thing. Yeah. And, <clears throat> but to bring it back over, even in that one, it's still Billy but modified. But in this one, Billy and Captain Marvel are separate entities that work more and more in concert. And one of the things that I, I also really like, part of the reason that I like the original Captain Marvel, like the new 52 Shazam and what we got in the movies, I like that too. I actually do because it's, there's a lot of heart to it. There's a lot of, um, there's some good messages that happen with family as part of that story and that sort of stuff. But in the original, Billy is just a super good hearted kid they had this terrible thing happen to him and he does not let that change him. <clears throat> and that's why he is a good host for being earth's mightiest mortal because he's, you know, he's the guy who is able to, um, he's able to do it right. You know, he's able to, to bear the mantle with the kind of good heart. He's, he's a bigger boy scout than Superman is. Well, and like, I kind of like, one thing I like about Captain Marvel, and this this series kind of captures it, and I wish more people would do it, is I like in this book that uh, Captain Marvel's kind of a straight man to the stupidity of all the villains. <laughs> and, like, there's just times where you see him just kind of roll his eyes when he's, like, tied up or something because he's, like, really, guys. Yeah. There's a certain um, – what's the phrase I'm looking for here? There's a certain absurdity that really works. In, in Captain Marvel, in Shazam books. Silvana himself is like an absurd character when he's done yes. right. Silvana is absurd. Silvana is is a more mustache-twirly Lex Luthor. Um, and, and think about that for a second. Also consider he's shorter and somehow balder than Lex Luthor. I actually is. disagree with that. He's more like the brain. <laughs> he kind of is. But Savannah is also capable of being very sinister. It's that waffles back and forth with different writers. But and then you have Mister Mind, who's also just ridiculous. He is until he isn't. If yeah. that makes sense. Um, you have even in this book, you have very absurd villains who are also incredibly sinister. The um, and I'm going to forget the name of it, but the 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 crocodile guys oh um, i can't remember their names yeah they're they're absurd right they, yeah. it, we captain marvel's fighting crocodile man until they roll into um the uh they roll into the circus they eat the um the ringmaster and then start gathering up the kids cuz they're more tender um and it's just like you're just like, what in the world is happening in this goofy book? And that's what I meant when I said it it, it swings back and forth. And, and if you read this and then go back, because this happened to me. So I read this like years and years ago. I just reread it recently. That's why we're talking about it. But then when I went and reread like some of the Fawcett originals, because I was starting from the start. This makes it a ridiculous like amount of references to like those early captain marvel comics yes they do a really good job like really like even like little things you're like you'll be like look reading like the faucet like why is this familiar and then i reread it i'm like wait a minute that was in like the faucet comic Mm -hmm. at the end of the book they make reference to the radio station whiz um that's that's a callback to the faucet stuff right there that was their that was their nod to their um their publishing name was Wiz Comics. Uh, I, I think some of the character names do that too. Well, he had uh, like there is like there is Wiz Comics. Mm-hmm. Was um, 
What was Freddy's book called? Was that just Captain Marvel Jr.? Mm, that is a good question. And then Mary Marvel was in like it was like one of those like old timey anthology comic names, like Spectacular Comics or something like that. Yeah, it's hard to keep up with those. And then there um, was like a, a family book. There was like five or six of them at one point. Yeah, <clears throat> and and they were popular. You know, they were outselling Superman, which is why DC sued them. And that was but... quite do there. I, I, I had re- listened to a comic geek speak, I think, did a big, long series on him. And the lawsuit was of dubious, like super dubious nature. Yeah. Because really, so... if you think about it, like they they really just got him because his haircut was kind of similar to Superman. I think I remember is like the big thing because their powers are really not the same. They're flying bricks, but yeah, but Superman couldn't fly when when Captain Marvel came out. Right, but they didn't they didn't issue the lawsuit until later. They they took a swing at Fawcett Comics whenever Fawcett was on a downswing, and and sued them then when they could afford better legal legal representation. But yeah, dubious. But anyway, back to this. the good-hearted Billy Batson shines through very much in this. As a matter of fact, it's pivotal uh, for uh, at the um, at the climax. Is Billy is so good-hearted he doesn't even kill bugs. You know, he just shoes them away and that sort of stuff. Well, and and that is pivotal later. And it's an important aspect that this book does that um, modern DC hasn't touched on in a long time. So, um, Freddie and Mary who have Marvel powers are get their powers from him. So like Billy actually as Captain Marvel willingly makes himself weaker to power them. Yes. There is a set amount of power for the Marvel family. And if more of them are more than one is active at a time, that amount of power is divided. But Billy knowing full well, that would happen chose to do it anyway. You know, in the movies, Billy is he channels the power to the rest of his family, and it's a great touching scene and it's wonderful. But that's not a thing that happens the way what they do in the movie is that each different member of the family has a different. um, It's not so much that they have a different bag, exactly, but they're just there's some things that some of them are better at than others. You know, Pedro is better at being strong than everybody else is. Freddie is better at flying than everybody else is. Darla is better at being fast. Um, Mary is better at wisdom of Solomon stuff, right? Like, but their powers aren't lessened in the original continuity. You're cutting up the pie. And, but Billy chose to do that anyway, because he thought that it was more important. Um, In the course of this story, You get introduced to lots of characters. The crocodile men do show up. Dr. Savannah is the head of Heartland Security. Um, And he's also a horrendous war profiteer. Yeah. Um, And then, yeah, Mary shows up. Uh, Freddy does not show up. Is his daughter in this? Was Sylvana's daughter in this? I couldn't remember. No, no. Um, I, oh, I used to be name. able to tell you. I used to be able to tell you their names right off the top of my head. His name is Thaddeus. It was like Magnus and she has they a, were like superlative Greek names is what they had. Yeah. And I can't remember what it is. Uh, Takitani shows up in honestly, Takitani shows up in ways that are really cool. And um, you also you have one thing that's nice aside from Savannah. You have authority figures that are not idiots. Um, there is the uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and remember his name. Um, I'm not going to remember his name, Mr. Morris, who is like a I don't know he's he's just basically a media CEO except he's principled. You know his his lawyers are like uh yeah we we shouldn't do that and he's like screw it we're doing it anyway. Beautia is his daughter. Yudia, okay. <clears throat> and so you have very 
you, you have some reasonable adults. You have idiot adults, too. You know, it, it's it's a Shazam book. So when Billy's trying to tell people stuff, you're going to have some adults holding the idiot ball and some of them are being understanding. And then some of them are some of them are handling it properly. Um, but you get you get the gamut in this. It's a range. Um, you also get a very because uh, Captain Marvel fights crocodile men and there's a Hydra and all this sort of stuff, you get this look that that Captain Marvel has a very practical combat style. And he is very front. You know, there's there's a section where one of the crocodile men goes to bite someone and he's got these other two grasped in his hands. What does he do? He doesn't put him down super speed over. He just sticks his head in the crocodile man's mouth. And so it can't close its jaws like. There's lots of little things like that that show you that he's very capable, very practical in what he's doing. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's great art through the whole thing. It's got that charm again. Um, and it's it's very consistent, which yeah, is nice. Because I think these were, when these originally came out, which I still have them, I think they were in like those prestige format books. Mm, I think you're right. And there are, what, three of them? Um, you know, you say that and uh, three or maybe four. Yeah, because the original in the 30s, the original monster, no, 40s, sorry. The original Monster Society book like series was kind of innovative at the time. Because mm-hmm. a lot unless you were like something like the Phantom serials, like comics didn't have like. Didn't have like continuity like that. Yeah. No, you, you really didn't. Um, I'm looking at the... They don't really have an index or anything to tell you how many there were, but it is a... Yeah, it, it's a very good... Oh, uh, they've got a shot in the back of this with Jeff Smith with a Captain Marvel comic, and then one of the shots is it's it's rolled up and stuck in his back pocket, and that just hurts in my soul, you know? She's like, no, 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 don't do that, please. Oh, please don't do that. There's also a, a very funny scene where uh, Billy Batson jumps on and starts beating the crap out of Dr. Savannah. Also, fun fact about the the, the original Wiz comics is um, Jack Kirby and Joe Simon did an issue. Oh, did they really? Yeah. Now, if, Fascinating. If you're, if, you're, um, if you're listening to this and you, you've never looked at an old comic, so... Um, so like the Wiz comics with Captain Marvel would probably have been about a 45 to 60 page book back in the day, more magazine size. They'd be bigger than they are now. Mm-hmm. And the, the Captain Marvel story, story would probably be like the first eight to 12 pages. And then there'd be regular features in like the rest of the book. Yeah. <clears throat> a lot of comics did that. Um, and you, you basically had your, your your marquee character and then they'd be like we're gonna yeah. put like this other character that we want to get moving back here um and we're that way we're gonna introduce a new character or we're gonna try and take this character and, and launch something new with it or or this character debuted and was really popular so we're gonna promote them to the the cover character that's kind of what happened with batman yeah. The other one that um, happens is if you have an ensemble crew like the Legion of Superheroes, they would use those back sections in order to tell uh, lower stakes stories. I remember one from one of my grandfather's comics that was about um, it was Karate Kid and her name was not Dreamer. It was Dreamer, but her name was something different. It might have just been Dream Girl. I mean, a lot of the Legion. Yeah. And she has this dream that Karate Kid's going to die. Well, they they had some guy try and mug them, and it's it's Karate Kid. So, you know, he does what you expect he's going to do. But she's still just plagued by this, and she keeps harassing him about it. Are you okay? Are you okay? You know, this sort of stuff until he finally collapses because, as it turns out, the guy that he handled had some kind of energy knife. And when he disarmed him, he didn't feel it hit him in the side because, I mean, it's a comic written in the 60s, 70s. At the time, Asian martial arts still had this mystique about 
whatever. But, he, you know, his senses were so finely honed that he tuned out the pain and didn't realize that it had hit him or something like that. And, you know, he collapses and she saves his life and that sort of stuff. Um, you, you would have, you know, you would go and you would grab characters that didn't get a lot of spotlight from ensemble casts or just I just had an idea for a little story. OK, put it in the back half. We'll do that. Yeah. And that might be where you try out like new talent, too. And mm-hmm. like so like if you if you get get like read like a Superman or a Batman from like the 40s. What's unique about that is it's going to be like three or four Batman stories or three or four Superman stories. Because mm-hmm. I think um, because like Superboy was his own deal. Then he was in adventure comics, not action mm-hmm. or Superman. And then um, then those two wouldn't come out monthly. I, I don't remember how often Batman and Superman came out either bi-monthly or quarterly for a while. Yeah. I think that's right. Yeah. Comics were weird for a long time. Like if you if you go read like Marvel in the sixties, like most of the characters aren't in like Iron Man's not an Iron Man until like almost the seventies. He's in like Tales of Suspense. Yeah. Um Detective Comics and Tales of Suspense and a lot of that sort of like he he did there was not one that was Batman for yeah. for quite a while. Um, in the f- and I, in 1940s when Batman hit, yeah, and, the, and you also had the Justice Society at that point and stuff like that. And the Justice Society had an interesting like rule set in the 40s because if you were a title character or you got your own title, you got kicked off the team. Ah, okay, because it started with you know your big classics. And then you didn't have your big classics anymore. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember when the league was established, but uh, the late fifties. Okay. The league I was, also the early league ones are weird because like they always split up. They always yeah. do like the Scooby Doo thing and split mm-hmm. up. <clears throat> the I have a copy of, and I'm trying to remember how to phrase it, but it was supposed to be the formation of the Justice Society. Because the origin, this particular one, the formation of the Justice Society, was, um, you know, you had Doctor Fate, and you had Spectre, and you had Our Man, and you had the Atom, and the Atom got the biggest chunk out of it. But they were put together because FDR commissioned them to stop Nazi activities in the U.S. Oh, is it like, um, is it the All Star Comics from the eighties? That Roy Thomas did. No, okay. I know what you're talking about. I have one of those. I have the one where where Jesse where Liberty Bell like threw down her mask and quit because of a fight with some Nazis. But um, this was older than that. And Johnny Thunder was in it. Um, I'm trying to remember who all it was. But in any event, you had this crew and they did the same thing as they were like, OK, we're all going to split up and go stop, you know, Nazi stuff. And and the Spectre just goes to this. What they did is the Spectre just straight up went to this factory where like there's saboteurs here. And then he has all of the stuff the saboteurs are trying to do backfire on them in a way that exposes them. And it's just like. I mean, okay, that's not not exactly what I'd expect out of the Spectre, but I, all right. That's I mean, fine, the Spectre—that's an improvement. Because when the Spectre like first like debuted, he just like straight up murdered people. Yeah, in, in that Superman Shazam or that uh, Shazam Black Adam First Thunder, maybe it was just Shazam First Thunder. Um, I haven't watched it in a while. It's actually the Spectre thing is actually played as Jim Corrigan is doing investigations and he's like, well, I don't have enough to pin this on it. And then the specter comes in. Cause there was this woman who, um, she killed her husband for his money and that sort of stuff. And she's like, you can't prove anything. And he goes, well, I don't have to. And then he morphs into the specter and the specters like, you have been judged guilty. And all of the money that she was holding started flying around her and basically paper cut her to death. And it's like, yeah. Ooh, okay. And this is, it doesn't surprise me, but it's not exactly what I expected. You know what's funny? Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up two examples. One's a Marvel one, and one's a DC one. 
But it mm-hmm. always cracks me up when people complain about Robin ruining Batman and then like how Peter Parker should be in high school. Um, if you go back and read it, Batman made like eight appearances before Robin showed up. Yeah, it was pretty early on. And and do you know what happened to his sales when Robin debuted? They, doubled. they went up, didn't they? They yeah. doubled. And, <clears throat> so and then Peter Parker the... was yeah. only in high school for like the first 28 issues. I didn't realize it was that short. Yep. He graduates so that, like he graduates from high school in the first twenty eight issues. So that means that the first Sam Raimi movie is actually really faithful to that. Yep. See, I part of the reason that they would put like the young sidekicks with a bunch of heroes is because it was an easy way to be a self insert for the for the boys that were reading the comics. Yeah. Like you look at it and you're like, Well, you know, I'm not I'm not Superman, but I could be Jimmy Olsen. I'm not Batman, but you know I could I could be like Robin and stuff I, like that. I, I I don't I never liked I never felt that way as a kid. It's and they it and was different actually, writing, you know, because because your title characters were very much of the you know the kind you aspire to. So your sidekicks acted as kind of that intermediary for the readers. <sighs> And it's inaccurate because they've done psychology on how um, boys interact with media. And it's actually inaccurate because boys generally would have used Batman as their, like, self-insert. They would just pretend to be Batman. Uh, Boys, as I understand it, want to be the character. Correct. And so you pick whatever character it is. Okay, funny story, true story. Over the summer, my oldest kid went to a local camp and local day camp, right? Because school's not in session and we're like, uh, you know, we can't stay home. So we enrolled him in this local day camp. And on the last day, they were having a, a talent show. And he was telling me about it the day before and he goes, I need my costume. And I was like, what? He goes, I need my costume. And first he wanted his Captain America costume, and we didn't have any idea where it was. And I was like, why do you want that? He goes, because they're going to play the Batman theme. And I'm like, which one? He goes, you know, the one that goes Batman? It was the Adam West theme song. Yeah. I was like, why don't we just get your Batman costume then? So he went, <laughs> he went, he went next to last, put on his Batman costume, and when they played it, he acted the part of Batman beating up, you know, bad guys, just punches and kicks and stuff. And... They gave me a copy of the video, and it is adorable. But yeah, it's like you said they they want they want to be that hero. They yeah. don't want to pull that hero to them and make it like them. And I never wanted to be the kid's sidekick when I was a kid. I wanted to do like the cool stuff the adults were doing. Well, like I said, I think the I think it's where the the writing was different. I think it um, just I think I think why it improved it so much is um. It's just it brought more color, like having two characters makes it like easier to have dynamics and stuff. And I think yeah. the reason Spider-Man was such an instant success is because they actually wrote a teenager as the main character. Right. Who who grew up. Yeah. Still, I I didn't know it was 28 issues. Wow. Well, and, and, and Peter Parker really is special as like... Um, kind of the everyman character that I think only really Wally West has ever kind of hit the same um, vibe. Is kind him. of growth and change. Yeah, and also fun fact is there was a there was a, I think it was a History Channel thing on comic books and they were talking about the sidekicks and Stan Lee was like I hated it because he was like it just because he was like you know the first thing that would happen is the the adult would get hauled away to jail for endangering a minor yeah that's true that i think at some point that's touched on but there was just such a horrible horrible um trend in deconstruction that happened at some point in the last 20 years. It's like, no, we're going to deconstruct with the heroes. And it's like, why? Why do you want to actively crap on your title character and their fans? Because like that, all-star Batman. Because because modern writers um, think that they're smart and that's what smart people do. 
is they think that's like what a smart person does is they like subvert expectations it works for a little while and then it doesn't anymore it works it works as like a one or two off novelty or if it's done well like kind of we'll go to deep space nine like kind of like a casual deconstruction of like the federation and giving it a dark side i didn't even really look at that as deconstruction i looked at that as kind of more fleshing out the universe it was in because but like i kind of see it as a deconstruction but like you're adding to it as well the problem when you deconstruct is you usually just ruin everything yeah you just kind of break it um it's anyway um Back to the story. It's a you, you start with I'm going to go back to the, the actual book for a second. You start with ha, Billy's origin, how he, he earns the powers. And then you get the progression as he's learning to use them and how the threat comes along and that sort of stuff. And meeting and Mary, meeting Mary, um, talkie Tawny, all that kind of stuff, you know. There is a growth process that happens. It's not just all of a sudden, look, I've got these powers and now I'm here. You know, he's he's growing into it. And it is a. uh, On one hand. Is it a little cheesy? Sure. You can. On the other hand, Marvel to be a little. On the other hand, there's a lot of heart in it. So you kind of look at that that little bit of cheesy with a smile on your face when you're like, I'm good with that. You know, you kind of you can, what, what what's the meme where you give it the smile and nod? I can't yeah. remember who that was. Was that Robert Redford? I think so. Is that that Robert Redford meme? But and so through the course of the story, Billy is trying to do the right thing and he's trying to correct a mistake he made. There actually is a comic that's called Superman Shazam First Thunder, which does the same thing. It's the origin. Billy gets his powers. He's asked, you know, he meets Superman and Superman's kind of mentoring him. And then he screws up and Superman calls him out on it, like calls him to the pavement kind of hard. But in the course of doing it, um, the so we're not reviewing that one. So I'll just go ahead. and Spoiler alert. Um, the way they handle it with that is that Billy has a best friend who's helping him kind of sort through all this. And then Dr. Savannah gets Billy's best friend killed. Like they, they roll up there. Like, Savannah sends a hit squad and they're like, OK, he's in there. But Billy is in the captain form when they start shooting. So it kills his best friend. And he goes to Savannah's office building and grabs him and drags him out the window and doesn't say a word. But, you know. He's got his fist pulled back and he's getting ready to just end him. And then he 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 puts him down and flies away. And Superman hears about it and he's he's livid. And he finds Captain Marvel sitting on top of Mount Everest, you know. And Superman starts chewing him out until he transforms back into Billy and explains what happens. And then Superman goes and chews out the wizard over it. He goes, "How could you put this on a child?" And I appreciate Superman so much for this because he's he's being very righteously indignant, and I understand why, but he also doesn't know the whole story. And then he's chewing out the wizard, and the wizard goes, maybe if he had someone to mentor him, things could be a little different. And <laughs> and Superman kind of turns and looks at him, and you get that from the, the animated First Thunder as well. You get a little bit of that interplay in it. And then Clark finds Billy and says, well, I know what it is. He goes, how can you know? And he shows Billy he's wearing the suit under his clothes. Um, There is so much space for just heart whenever you're writing stuff with Billy Batson in it. Well, I want to say, I don't think the series, I don't think anyone else but Jeff Smith could have done it justice Mm -mm. because there's, there's little things he does in his art and, and these you can see in bone, like, some of the fights where where Shazam's fighting and like the villains are just hopelessly outclassed, you'll see them like straining and attacking him, and him just kind of standing there like straight as a board because it's having no impact on yeah. him whatsoever. Yeah, oh yeah, he can just he can just soak it. Which they do in Bone a couple times, but it, like it has that effective thing, and and Jeff Smith is really good at like cartoony 
Yeah. It, it it mixes the cartoony with the serious very well. Yeah, and Bone was really Bone was really good at that. Mhm. It was well, you know what? I was going to say it's more Stark and Bone, but I flipped through the book and like Billy and Mary have when they're Billy and Mary have a cartoony kind of little kid quality to them, but then the captain looks very much like the classic Captain Marvel. And so it, it, you you have that the word I'm looking for here that dichotomy um, that that blends together and create it contrast that's the word I'm looking for it creates this contrast in a very good way yeah and there's um, a real he does re- expressions really well because the captain a lot of the time has a very like sober serious expression to himself but not like unkind. He's very stoic. Yeah. He's not mean, but he's stoic. So it's, yeah, it's good. Um, so the end game, what I'm going to get at here, end game with this book is I, I really like it. Um, I, I don't have any flaws for it. I don't have any complaints about it. It is very stylistic. That does not that's not bad, but that style might not vibe for some people. So if if you flip through it and look at some of the art and you're like, ah, this style isn't really hitting for me, I understand that. But I don't know of anything in this book that could be improved on. No, I don't either. Um, well, I know they could have they could have been not stupid and done a sequel. That would have made it better. You know, I, I think there's a certain... It has a very nice ending to it. And it leaves it open, but it's not an ending you have to do something with. Yeah. So I'm I'm perfectly fine with it just being the way it is. Because we're never going to get a... We're never going to get an original Monster Society reprint. No. Because no. of stupid Steamboat. Yeah. <laughs> so if you, if you have not read the original... If you have not read the original, um, the reason a lot of those early ones aren't out there. And fun fact, a lot of them, a lot of the later ones are public domain. So you can legally download quite a few of of them for free Mm -hmm. legally. But so there's a character in it for I don't think he was in it super long, but his name was Steamboat. And like sometimes when you hear about, you know, old style racial stereotypes and you go back it's like not as bad as you're expecting well steamboat is probably worse than you're expecting yeah that was like let's say let's just say he was such a terrible stereotype of like african-americans that they got protests for it in the 40s yeah yeah that one's not um yeah, that one that's rough. That one's that one's pretty rough. It's it's really bad. Even down to the way they have him talk is like he it's terrible. Yeah, it's 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 pretty teeth grittingly bad. You know. You look back on it and there's this this nice good hearted and then you hit that and you're like, Oh no. Yeah. And they were big on no. they were big on the original one's big on Oh crap, what's that? What was that criminal study like where they studied skulls? Was it phrenology? Yeah, phrenology was the study Phrenol- of skulls. For... They, the, 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 the original comic is really big on that. And it really shows in like how they do their criminals and stuff in the original series. So it's... Any old comics, you're going to run into some weird stuff. And I think it's fair to say that there was less editorial oversight, you know, because whoever's running the company, if they're also involved in the writing, they're not going to cut something out. So some fringe stuff has a, even fringe for the time has an opportunity to make it through or something like, and so lots of older comics have some distasteful elements. Let's put it that way. and, And a lot of older comics were done by people that weren't good enough to get into like mainstream, like the funny paper stuff Mm -hmm. 
or right. and I mean I mean sadly too, um, um, just because of the way the era was. If you were Jewish, you were probably working on comics and not anywhere else because that's the only place that would hire you. What was it? Um, was it was it Jerry Siegel that was working on Superman? Yep, Schuster and Siegel. Schuster and Siegel. That I knew it was Siegel. I couldn't remember if it, I was thinking Schuster, but I couldn't put my. I mean, Superman is basically Moses, so it, this shouldn't be a shock to anybody. Well, he's Super Moses, but or, or he's a different kind of Super Moses. Um, he's kind of a Superman's kind of like a vague allegory of like a European Jew like fleeing to another country for more acceptance. There's lots of parallels you can draw. I, mean, yeah. I go with the Moses thing because it's it's an easier touch tone for a lot of people. You know, you put him in the basket and send him off, and he gets raised by somebody else and grows into great things. Moses and Superman, the same thing. Superman actually canonically raised Methodist. Uh, Batman's a lapsed Catholic, I think. Um, you know that sort of stuff, but. Yeah. You have you can draw parallels out of other things as well. I, I just kind of go with Moses because it's it's handy. <laughs> but yeah, here you go. You got the genesis for a lot of characters because you know it's it, it's not like Steamboat Willie is exactly high cinema either. Like yeah, nobody starts off as a polished polished uh, product. But I mean, I mean, they, the early superheroes, I mean, Batman and Superman are kind of vague ripoffs because Batman's kind of a vague shadow ripoff and yeah. Superman. Doc Savage. Yeah, because like he, he like the Fortress of Solitude is like a Doc Savage concept. Yeah. 100 percent. But yeah, he's like he's a Doc Savage ripoff and. Batman's a Batman's more of a shadow ripoff than Doc Savage than Superman is a Doc Savage one. You can just tell that she, Siegel and Schuster were Doc Savage fans and like incorporated bits of it in there. Yeah, I mean, or the first the first appearance of Batman, he just straight up kills a dude. So oh yeah, and that's a very shadow hallmark. Um, yeah. Here, fun fact: one of my favorite one of the favorite movies of my childhood was I think the 1994 Alec Baldwin vehicle, the shadow, um, which featured, um, Oh, I'm going to forget his name. He played Ray's dad and everybody loves Raymond. Um, what's oh, his face? Peter Boyle, Peter Boyle. He's he a, was, he was Frankenstein and Frankenstein. Yes. Monster young and, Frankenstein. Yeah. Which incidentally. Yeah. Uh, I'll get, he was the, uh, he was the chauffeur for the shadow Lamont Cranston. Lamont Cranston. Yeah, stumble AKA also Yinko, and there's a third name I can't remember what it is, which makes sense. I had the novelization too. It's all in that. They didn't really go into it in the movie. That's in there. Um, Tim Curry was in the shadow also. You get to have Tim Curry being Tim Curry. How can that not be great? Do you know who voiced who was the original voice of the shadow in the radio serials back in the day? It was day. Orson Welles, wasn't it? Yep. He did the first couple years. And I like the shadow, not just because it was a tie on my name, but you know, it's a, it's a cool concept. It's a redemptive story. Um, it's a cool concept. The Honestly, the costume is really cool. <laughs> the black long coat with the cloak and the scarf and the hat and the 45s like that's all. And he's psychic. Like that's all really cool. Um, so, you know, take that for what it's worth, but, uh, the, the old stuff gets just the original point was the old stuff gets weird. Don't, don't dig too much. Yeah. And the, the comic companies don't help themselves there because they they print like the early first appearance stuff. Instead, they should be doing stuff from like the mid to late 40s where they kind of had the formula down. I think those are the omnibus collections I have. Because you've got sections in it where C 
Captain Marvel is, you know, doing dock work, unloading trucks and stuff like that. And then something because ha- Billy needs some more money and then something happens and he just he whips it. Here's how here's how involved this costume was. He rips off the fisherman sweater and jeans and the uh, the page boy cap he was wearing. And he's got the suit underneath it like. You know, because he's just right there and he's like, no, I don't think so. I'm like, oh, no, it's the big red cheese. And he's like, don't call me that. And yeah. Yeah. And, and there's and it's a meme now. But I mean, the language was different back then. So like the infamous um, Joker boner issue. Mm. Have you seen the memes of it? Like where they where they like where people just post the panels. Uh Oh, God, I'm trying to remember. I'll I'll post it afterwards, but okay. But there's one where he's talking about like pretty much what they mean when they're saying boner is like mistake. Like that's how that was the word for it back yeah. in the day. But if you read it with a modern lens, it sounds like he's saying You're boner like, over and over again, and it's funny. But like, yeah. So there's gonna be like weird word uh, issues too. Yeah. Um. That I, that brings the other point that I was going to try and work my way to is the Shazam, the Monster Society of Evil does a very good job mixing the older kind of older feel with more modern stuff. It's it gives this you, is just gives done you, really, really well. It gives you the feel of the old stuff and takes out the weird, like antiquated, like words and mm-hmm. kind of um, outdated attitudes. Yeah. Yeah, it does really good with that. So, um, you know, big props, big props. This Basically, is, this you get the fun good. of like 30s and 40s um, literature without the racism, <laughs> among other things. But yeah, yeah, you get you get all the fun and none of the none of the backwash. Yeah. So, because <laughs> if you read anything like even if you go and read the old Conan like Conan novels, like yeah, it's it's in all of that oh. stuff. Yeah, well, it's 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 kind of how people gloss over that with Lovecraft stuff. It's like, no, no, that that's that's Lovecraft was was very much on that. Um, But this this you this is a great mix of the two. So I think I think Lovecraft people get a little too. People people single him out more than he deserves because I'm not defending it, but like people really get like on a high horse about him. And then you read it. And it's like, well, he's really no more or less racist than anyone else that was writing novels in this era. So, I mean, like, but I think he takes since, a little too much heat, but since he's such a figure, he's an easy target too. He's easy. Yeah. It's easy to single him out. Yeah, and I just I like I said I'm not defending him, but like I do, I do people really single him out and like it's like no well yeah he is racist but like everyone was racist at the at the time especially in literature. The way that I look at it is um, I don't really care for Lovecraft much myself, He's but a, he go ahead his his stuff is better dramatized. Because he's a wordy motherfucker. <laughs> he is. Um, I don't really care for him much, but I appreciate him being a pioneer into a different literary genre. He's, if that makes sense. He's a little too dry for me. There's something really antiseptic about his writing to me. Okay. Like the the stuff is all there, but there's just something I don't know. Like it's really, I don't know how to describe it. And I think antiseptic's how I want to say it. Like there's just like something very kind of procedural and dry about it. Well, I mean Edgar Allan Poe was the the pioneer of the murder mystery kind of stuff. Oh, but Poe's like if you read old Poe stuff like. Um, Poe, <laughs> if you want to talk about a guy that had some issues, like Edgar mm-hmm. Allan Poe stuff is screwed up. It is, but I was also going to say, like, 
pit and the pendulum is it's like okay you're getting the like existential dread of this coming at you but then on the other hand it's like uh you know it's it's really dry on that front um the mask of like red death though i think really yes captures that um the cask of amontillado is really cask of amontillado is i think people mistake that because it's not a horror story it's a revenge story I mean, it's and, horrific how he kills the guy. Yeah. It has the well, I I kind of disagree with that though because it has it has the the tension of what he's gonna do and they like he really he really um he really gives you the feel of like being in that dank cellar just to like really hit home how horrific it's gonna be. He's like, oh, you are going to die. Like, like yeah. the fact that you're looking at this guy that you got so liquored up, he doesn't even know where he is. But you're there long enough to go through the effort of brick and mortaring a wall up between him and the rest of the world. Like, there's some hate in that. Yeah. But it's also not, you know. And it, it's kind of like, like. In hindsight. Like, the Telltale Heart's a good story, but it's also not – it may not be, like, titillating like it was. No. I think the Raven so, – the Raven is good, but it's, like, that one's not – I wouldn't call that one scary. That one has more of, like, a psychological – It's macabre. Yeah. It's, I, I wouldn't call it scary, but it's got the macabre tone, and in doing so – you're you're setting kind of this tone and this weird atmosphere it, for golf, and yeah, he's the guy that pioneered it, so of course he is. I think probably the best thing I've read from him though is the fall of the House of Usher. That one is really good. Mm. I I myself I think I prefer Mask of the Red Death because Mask of the Red Death. I remember reading it in high school and it was creepy. Yeah, and it's it's very it's a very insightful like kind of commentary on I think even the peep things even if you go back to the way people were acting during COVID, like it was still a very like insightful commentary. <clears throat> Let me see if I can do a Ron Perlman voice real quick. Humanity. Humanity never changes. No, you know it's it's it, it's 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 very atmospheric and it's got a very insightful look and it's also got kind of a little bit of eat the rich in it. Um, so uh, it, it it has it's great atmosphere. It's really then, good atmosphere. And then you get to the end of it and there is. Like the mask of the Red Death was wandering around, and then it just collapses, and there was nothing in it. And then everybody there catches the Red Death and dies, and it's just like ah ha. So we have we have a story about hubris. We have a story about people being, you know, rich people being shitty. We have all you know. It's it's very well done. That's that's my go to. And his uh, um his so. work aged a lot better than anything else from that era. Yeah. Because and, I, so, I think because because the problem you run into with a lot of old stuff that I don't think people realize is a lot of that stuff was like written in like monthly publications and the guys were getting paid by the word. Yes. Charles Dickens being a great. OK, so here's one that kills me. I um, I was talking to my sister-in-law who is she is an English professor and also has an MFA uh, which is basically creative writing equivalent to a doctorate, as if I understand in creative writing, right? Okay. As I understand it. And she said the thing that drove her crazy is that they would do creative writing courses, and the professors would be, "You're not doing speculative fiction in my class." And it's like, the hell are you talking about? It's like there will be no monsters or aliens or spells or swords or anything like that. We're not doing speculative fiction. It's like. What the hell, right? If 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 we're gonna be creative on stuff, and they just wanted you to be creative in terms of like, like everyday mundane stuff and make it creative, and it's like, 
A can of corn is a can of corn. It's, it's like, okay, it's like, no, no, no. We're looking down upon this. And it's like, you know, you need to, it's things like, you know, like higher art, like, you know, Dickens or something. It's like Dickens was a pulp writer who got paid by the word. It's like, well, yes, but it was good. And it's like Shakespeare was looked down on as low class. Like you are, you are just not wanting to read that sort of stuff when and Dickens trying to construct had, a narrative. Dickens had ghosts in a lot of his stuff. It's in the Christmas Carol. I think you'll be visited by three ghosts. I think there's vaguely supernatural stuff in um, Tale of Two Cities and um, Great Expectations. I don't remember it. In, like Great Expectations has some some dark scenes to it and stuff but i don't remember and i don't think i've read tale of two cities it don't i haven't felt greatly compelled to let's put it there's that way. a lot of characters in it and it suffers from it suffers from it how it suffers greatly like great expectations it works because it's a more limited scope like the pulpy having to kind of end on a cliffhanger to bring people yeah. back the next month works but the tale of two cities is too complicated for that All right. Um, it, it. How can I best put this? I never wanted to go into creative writing with the idea of crafting fine art. Mm. It's like, no, I want to be able to understand how to properly structure and write stuff that people would enjoy reading. Fine That's art's all. boring. It is. It, it's like the Oscars. They're They're always looking for the same thing. There's no deviation on it. It's with, with like your random anomaly here and there. And it's like, I don't, that's not what I want. Yeah. I want stuff. Look, I work with people in jail and recovery in my everyday job. I don't want another piece of work about someone talking about the horrors of addiction. It's like, Gee, I wonder what you're going to tell me about that I haven't heard before. Nothing. You've got nothing. You well, have you know, nothing. You know, you're not going to surprise me with anything. Can I please have my leisure entertainment be something that's entertaining yeah, and like, fun to me? That, but that's that's what we've seen with cinema, though, is like you can do your high art, fancy, schmancy shit. But in 20 years, like no one's going to remember that. But they're going to remember Cocaine Bear <laughs> because it was actually entertaining. Like, that's the thing, like. I don't care how high concept you want to go with something. Like if it's not entertaining, you failed. Yeah. It's not engaging. Like yeah. every now. Okay. Okay. Here's the way I look at it. The wrestler, the Mickey Rourke, Darren Aronofsky movie is very good. I have watched it twice ever and I don't, I don't have a drive to watch it again. Well, we're going to do it for the show. So you uh. have to. It is it is a rough experience. That's because okay? because they they suck you in by making him likable and like showing him having his life together so that the the, the fall, fall is like a bigger it's more gut tragic. Punch. Yeah. But I you know okay that's like one movie like that that I've been into. I don't look if if you're wanting to make me feel. If you're wanting to make me like draw me into something, making an angsty, making another angsty World War Two movie is not going to do it. It's like you're you're not going to beat Schindler's List, so just walk away. Quit doing that crap. You know you're you're not going to. We've had ever how many Vietnam movies, and they they quit with that finally. Just stop it. Yeah. Stop it. Get some help. But you know it's not going to beat Saving Private Ryan either. Yeah, Saving Private Ryan or Schindler's. You're not going to do that. So, you know, what the hell? Let's let's have some people write some stuff that people in, enjoy. Is that hard? Is it that hard to do? Uh, well, I mean, you get people never change, so they get so far up their own ass they're trying to justify whatever. Doesn't yeah. matter. I, I'm not. We're not going to go down that rabbit hole ranting about self-righteous jackasses who think they're more important than everybody else. Yeah. If you tuned in and you're like, Hey, why isn't this wrestling podcast talking about CM Punk? I'm tired. Well, we, I'm we, tired, Renee. We don't, we um, don't like, um, we don't like doing stuff when the three of us aren't here. And frankly, the CM Punk stuff for me, like 
goes along with all the WWE stuff we don't talk about. We've done it before. I'm tired. I don't want to do it anymore, and I don't want to give him more airtime. So, hey, let's talk about a Shazam comic book. And I just... the. I mean, the, all I'm going to say is, like, the, the real-world title thing, I think, is so stupid. Like I said, not even going to talk about it anymore. Like that, just so... Like you just took the... Like, you just brought in, like, the worst aspect of WWE to your promotion. So, anyway, like I said, I'm, I'm just going to stand firm on it because I'm just yeah, pissed. Yeah. Um, so, anyway... Um, Shazam and the Monster Society of Evil is available as a trade. I think it is well worth your time. It's on um the DC Universe Infinite app. Mm-hmm. And if you do that, you can get it like if you spend $100 for the year, you get the books the next month after they come out. Yeah. And they have a lot of like I've read a lot of like Legion of Superheroes, the Kyle Rayner, Green Lanterns in there. Um like the Wally West Flash is in there. A lot of the Justice League and, and stuff is in there. There's all sorts of stuff. Like not everything, unfortunately, but there's a lot of stuff to keep you busy. Yeah. So anyway, uh, Brad, final thought. Final uh, thought for Monster Society of Evil. What would you if, say? If you want to get into Shazam comics, I would say start with this. It's a good starting point. And and then you'll be ruined for all the other crap they've put out since, like, the (laughs) 90s. So, um, yeah, read this. Like, get it right out of the gate. I would say do that. Try some of the DC stuff. And if you don't like it, go back and read the the original stuff from Fawcett. Because a lot of that stuff can read really rough in the 30s and 40s. But it's surprisingly – it reads surprisingly well compared to, like, other stuff. Yeah, um, it it reads very easily. It's very smooth, and um, I think it's well worth your time. And it's absurd. Like it's not like other stuff where it's just dumb. Like even the the faucet stuff is like kind of absurd and cheesy, and it helps it age better. Yeah, yeah, it does. It it, it make it gives it kind of a timeless quality. Yeah, because it doesn't. There's it's a, not trying to be super topical. No, and it's it's got a hint of um, self-awareness to it, even mm-hmm. in, like, the 30s and 40s. Yeah. Like, Silvana, even in, like, the original stuff, is, like, a patently, like, ridiculous character. Oh, he's very mustache-twirly, hand-ringy villain without yeah. a mustache um, or a top hat. Yeah. But it, it is... Um, it's very accessible it is. and it's, it's got a timeless quality. So yeah. anyway, um, any other thoughts we wanted to end with Brad? Nope. I think that's all. I don't know what we're doing next week because I don't know what the show configuration is going to look like. It probably we'll won't be wrestling out. until some things are situated, but, uh, yeah. But yeah, that's it for this week. All right. Well, everybody, thank you for being with us. We appreciate you being here. Uh, Feel free to hit us up on social media. This is Shad and Brad, um, and we will catch you all next time.